별이 잖아 예 호주니까 지금 미시라도 결국엔 잠시니까 너는 언제까지나 지금처럼 밝게만 빛나줘 우리는 너를 따라 이긴 밤을 숨어 너와 함께 날아가 When I'm without you I'm crazy 자 어선의 손을 잡아 We are made of each other baby Hello, you're very, very welcome to the beautiful game on UC 98.3 FM. You're very, very welcome along to the beautiful game here on UCC 98.3 FM. We've got a very, very busy show for you coming up over the next hour. We'll be looking at the upcoming Autumn Internationals in the rugby. Uh, Andy Farrell's side taking on Japan at the weekend. Also, as well, Michael Quinn will be joining us via Zoom to look ahead to a huge night of Irish MMA as Bellator 270 comes to Dublin on Friday. And also, as well, David Moyes. I mean, what a resurgence he's having with West Ham. So we'll be looking at his resurgence and also uh, some of the great managerial comebacks in recent years. And our hidden gem story, of course, as always, at the end of the show. I'm delighted to say, as always, uh, I'm joined by uh, James O'Donovan. James, Sam. how are you? Not too bad, how are you? It's been, been a while, we missed last week. We're Jeremy. on the holiday, holidays last week. Yeah, we defeat up, how was the jazz? Unfortunately, it was a, a working weekend for me. Would you uh, believe it? I know, I, I can't believe I'm saying that now. I, I feel guilty even just saying it, but had look, to be done. Someone has to do it. I know, but look, we'll make up for it over the next couple of weeks. I know you, you've Coming into silly season, as they call it, aren't, aren't we? Yeah, well, you've more than made up for it anyway for the last... Uh, yeah, as you weeks. might be able to tell from the voice, the voice is gone, the voice is gone. Husk, husk of the man I used to be now today. Tough day on and off the pitch. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, went down in the intermediate county quarterfinal yesterday to Ahada, but we'll say no more, you don't dwell on your defeats, as they say. Well, you learn more um, from vict- or from defeats and your victories, don't you? You win or learn. So I, d- I don't buy into that now. We, we'll, we'll, we'll park that. We'll park. We'll park the result yesterday, and we'll just drive on again. We won't mention it again. Sure. Look, you've plenty of time now. Um, we won't be going into a post mortem during this hour, thankfully. <laughs> well, uh, but <laughs> yes, yes. Scrap the script. Scrap the script. <laughs> sure, you've plenty to kind of keep yourself occupied. You have to, You can dedicate your full seven days a week now to the show isn't that fantastic yeah yeah I'll, I'll be going back for the man of the match award now after yeah. I set, set the bar high week one but I've been on a downer since uh, last minute preparations but yeah you'll from, be living in the library my, living in the library for just the next constant weeks. research yeah constant research trying to improve and trying to impress you my mentor in the radio radio game oh, sure look I, I try I won't take the credit but I do try but I've been I can see the notes out in front of me here and scribbled a few things down uh, plenty of research done because it is a big Big weekend ahead for Irish rugby. Andy Farrell, he's 
Irish side um, going to a, perhaps a make or break international uh, season now in our November series I'm going to the game actually on uh, the weekend it's on a one o'clock first of all which I, I found strange time yeah, yeah I saw that as well perplexing um, is it being covered by RT or is it RT yeah RT I just found it a bit perplexing because it's usually like half five five, five o'clock yeah. it's like seems to always be the time but um, might also, just be is there a few there's there's other autumn, autumn internationals on this weekend there's some some very good games so it might just be the way the TV maybe work, yeah. yeah perhaps and look it's they're a the good ones usually to, call the shots don't they yeah but, that's it I mean it's a good excuse probably to watch the games then as well and not just the Irish one but uh, I'm heading up to it. Uh, Excited, yeah. But you know, I have a, a a little bone to pick. I guess the prices eighty quid. Heard this. I heard this because eighty quid. Yeah. Family member of mine was interested in getting a New Zealand ticket when they went on sale last week and was blown away by the price as well. Yeah, we tried to. Uh, uh, yeah, I think they were like gold us. They were they, yeah. were they were gone pretty quickly. Uh, but I think the cheapest ticket was nearly the going rate for any sort of decent view was one hundred twenty five euro. By God. And how does how does that match up? Like, I wouldn't be. I don't go to. I need to go to more live sport. Obviously, we haven't in the last year. But how does that compare now to an Irish international soccer match at home? Well, that's a good question because I also tried to get tickets for the Ireland Portugal game. Yeah, same um, stadium. Like, yeah. yeah. Now that was my own fault. Unfortunately, this case it wasn't that I with the tickets just ran out. I I just was too lazy to get on at the ah, Q ten. I must say I let down a few friends of mine as well. Let down the boys in green. Yeah, I know, but they were like the. I think the most expensive ticket, nearly for we'll say the. I don't know what you call the lower stand or the front. Okay. Sixty five. Okay. Compared to and that's like for one of the best seats in the house compared to one hundred twenty five, which is a cheap ticket for the New Zealand game. You know. Um, I don't know I guess look it's two of the best teams in the world in rugby but at the same time like you could get to see Ronaldo and Viva for even for about 30 I think there's tickets going for 30 at the top with the, again a decent view I've never been to the Aviva so I can't say I guess how good or oh, for, for, first trip to the Aviva so yeah. I don't think I've been there since yeah I remember being in the old Lansdowne Road I don't think I've been up to the Aviva now at all I must get I must uh, live sport is something I really must get back into going to I, uh, I always say I must get over for an Arsenal game at some stage as well but Era, these things. There's plenty of time, as they say. But um, what was I gonna say to you? Um, yeah, Japan. What, what would what would you be expecting out of them now? Would you? I'm not sure. I guess like from well, I mean Japan. I guess they're such an exciting team to watch. Like this brand of rugby they bring. Probably it's in New Zealand. They're probably the best team to watch in world rugby. The offloading, the way they play. We saw it at the World Cup what they were able to produce. And even yeah. uh, you know in, in the summer, they, they, you know they played Ireland in, in a, a test and they were fantastic. They watch a very good game as well. Ireland kind of just about got the job done uh, in the end there in a high scoring game. Um, so I mean I'm expecting big things from Japan they ran Australia very close recently as well uh, in their first game before coming over uh, to this part of the world and you know very good coach as well really just a really fluent um, style of play so I'm looking forward to seeing the, they, the likes of yeah. Matsushima playing with yeah. Claremont and a couple of the other marquee names it's, it'll be brilliant but no, the 2019 World Cup, like it kind of came out of nowhere. I know they were the hosts, and obviously they weren't going to come in underprepared or anything. But they, like, I wouldn't be too well up in the rugby circles now or whatever. But they seem to just came out of the blue and stunned Ireland and along with m- many others in their performance. What's yeah. very interesting about that was that. But they've kicked on. They've kicked yeah, on. Even I mean, like they had what happened basically just to give you a quick summary of that was like for the two years leading up to the World Cup. 
yeah. all the players were signed to the same Heard this, team yeah. Yeah. so they were like a club side basically the, the, ma- the coach the organisation they were all able to manage the players workloads their playing time everything like that so they went in unbelievably well prepared and I think that was one of the reasons why they did so well at the World Cup yeah uh, also I mean it been, worked for them it yeah. w- mightn't work for others it's not, it's not feasible for a lot of many money, nations a yeah. lot of money has been poured into Japan as well because I guess the World Rugby see Japan as being a great market to tap into we've seen a lot of top players go over there now and play in their league and stuff as well they have identified themselves in the US as being maybe potential tier one opposition well Japan are kind of nearly there you know they're the top 10 in the world USA not so much they're a work in progress but um, they're kind of the pet project I guess of world rugby at at the moment and it's good to see because rugby is often you're kind of restricted to just the kind of eight to ten nations who who play it seriously and I know there's a bit of it's a bit boring at the same it's the same teams that like granted they're 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 there for a reason they're the best countries and they put the most resources into it or whatever but they have the most tradition in it but it seems bizarre that it hasn't grown more like it's probably I don't know like soccer is obviously the world's most popular sport but rugby it's still like you would have thought it would have done better now catching up at this stage but it's still in my eyes a long way behind I think the fact I guess that there's still <coughs> probably this kind of I wouldn't say stereotype because I do think it's still true to a certain extent where like I guess you know in Ireland the way you hear people kind of taking the mickey out of them saying oh look that's the game for the private schools and it's kind of the pop sport compared to soccer that's always as you say kind of being betrayed as the popular people's yeah, 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 game yeah. and uh, you know like even in Ireland like it's only about the fourth I saw the census recently of like the participation and it's only the fourth most played sport in the country and I mean we still have obviously great structures there we've always seemed to produce really good rugby players but I mean we could talk all day about yeah, it uh, yeah coming back to the match anyway yeah. yeah I one thing that caught my eye today was just that um, an uncapped Aussie born Connacht player Mark Hansen I don't know if you've caught him much I haven't been watching him but apparently Four he's been tries lighting, it, games, lighting, it, lighting, yeah. it, lighting it up for Connacht in the, um, the what is the United Rugby Championship is that what it's called the latest edition of La- it latest edition I still remember it as the Magners League back in the day but that says enough about me um, yeah 20 three-year-old winger um, little known fact Cork-born mother is how he qualifies for us yeah the old like uh, as was it soccer to be the grand the grandparent rule this is just the parent rule we aren't but it got me thinking um, kind of now it doesn't really apply to Mark Hansen in particular but what what do you take of the fact that Ireland like coming in out there their, I was looking at their 38 man squad and I think I counted up at least three or four players that were the resident rule not the grandparent it's the residence rule is I, I looked up that rule just so I was clear coming in I didn't want to get my facts wrong and the residency rule is it's actually in the midst of changing from a three year to a five year residency so you can be from Australia you can come over and play a club rugby here with Connacht Munster Leinster Ulster and three years up until 2018 or 19 and then they've changed it to five years and then you can go play for Ireland like what do you make of that? Yeah, so I've had this discussion before actually on this on the show a while back with um we had a guy with Kieran in one day and uh, another guy Charlie Power who's big into his rugby and he I mean we had this discussion basically and I look personally I'm not in favour of it I think we don't need to first of all I think we've got plenty of talent here that we need to back yeah and nourish I mean I, I think it sends out the wrong message if you're going to fly in someone from the southern hemisphere and and you know getting to play for and uh, after three years. Um, but do you see a distinction between the kind of grandparent rule now that like soccer? That's fair enough. Soccer, okay, soccer's that's, huge exploiter that's sep- of it as well. I think that can be. I think that is a separate issue. 
it's a case by case basis because yeah. right? some people are rear, like raised in England as if they're Irish yeah, to an Irish exactly. family I've seen that with the yeah. soccer team yeah. Gary Breen and the lo- those guys Kevin you know, yeah, yeah, they're nearly uh, yeah I mean they, they, they've spoken about their personal stories about that so haven't heard it maybe quite as much in terms of the rugby it's been more of the residency rule that's kind of dominated although we have had a few Mike Haley is a would be another example he qualifies to um, Irish um, I, I'm not sure if it's his parents or his grandparents but he also qualifies uh, through that rule as well so I'm, I've, I'm fine with the grandparent rule I think the residency rule though for me it's just not it's five I years agree. five years it's more it's too little yeah still Ten. not I think if you came it's different now if you came to Ireland we'll say 12 or 13 you know and you come through the system you've pretty much played all your rugby in Ireland of course you should be entitled to play you're Irish as far as I'm concerned yeah. you should absolutely be allowed to play for for your country you know uh, Manu Tuilagi would be an example of that with England so yeah just for me I'm not completely against it other teams exploit it way more than we do New Zealand Australia have yeah. plenty history of it but I don't know what, what are your thoughts yeah we're it? definitely after tapping into like the name that comes to mind straight away when I thought about it was CJ Stander yeah. like prime example like one of Ireland's best players in the last decade uh, phenomenal phenomenal player but um, and Bundiaki I think at the moment like very prominent player whatever you think about his performances or whatever but like he's always there um, so we've definitely exploited and gotten more and more used to it but yeah like Case in point now this week was I saw in the examiner's piece on Alex McHenry, um, who's on loan from Munster, gone to Wasps because just can't get in the team. And it's like you have these fellas coming in from like I don't want to be like you know given out of it the fact where it's great to bring in high class players to play like Damien Delande is probably keeping Absolutely. them out of the team. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it like the amount of players that come through is ridiculous in Ireland. Like and then they're just kind of they kind of are left on academy contracts and they don't seem to get enough actual game time and I think it's probably a problem like there's probably enough like there's enough players for more than just the four provinces realistically is, is the point we're getting and to and leading into I think it actually segues very nicely into the upcoming matches because there's so many players in that squad that haven't really played a huge amount at test level against the very best teams because yeah. like I always see the World Cup is the pinnacle of the sport we've never got past the core finals we're sleepwalking into another World Cup in my opinion for that reason that we're just not giving the 22 23 year olds the Harry Burns the Ben Healy's of this world enough exposure against top level opposition so even if they don't start in a World Cup quarter final in two years time at least you have the experience to come off the bench if needed to make an impact like would you back Joey Carberry or you know Harry Byrne to kick a drop goal in the last minute to win the World Cup just personally I wouldn't and I think one of the reasons is because of the lack of game time I get it it's a results business Andy Farrell he has to stay in a job he has to get results but at the same time I think there's a bigger picture here I'm just worried that we're missing it again the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results I just don't see anything different this time around yeah it is It is the enigma for Ireland is getting past that quarter final like they've been world number one but just can't seem to I think injuries always seem to come against them they just don't seem to have the depth and that comes back to your point then that the, the fellas who are coming in that you need in the latter stages of tournaments when you've gotten out of your group like they're just not maybe as prepared or like granted your starting 15 will be your strongest 15 at the start of a tournament but realistically rugby such a physical game now you're going to need you're going to need the full 30 you bring to a World Cup or whatever so yeah to get them as much like, proper jo- game time Johnny Sexton is 38 going if in France 2023 if he gets there 100 cap this weekend if yeah he plays. I mean fantastic servant for sure he only got his debut at 24 as well so it's it just incredible. shows if you stick yeah. at it um, you know you never know what can happen but a, a fantastic servant for sure I think they'll play f- what worries me 
not even worries me, but they can't, Andy Farrell has no choice but to play a full strength team, I think, at the weekend because it's basically a dry run for the game against the All Blacks. A lot of these players haven't played much high level rugby in the last few weeks, even in the URC because they've been away with the Lions or squad rotation. Yeah. Um, the so rugby calendar is a bit strange, I thought that too. It's kind of. There's just it's always something else, something like there's never really a clear run where you're like right there back with the province now for a clear defined period. They're kind of in and out, in and out, yeah. different camps. Here we go, like we're on tour. Here we're going. This like there's it's non-stop. It's it's it would be interesting to so talk to him. I'm just not it. sure where these guys, the younger players, are going to get their game time. Like he's not going to play them against New Zealand, which is fair enough. It's a baptism of fire. You can't have New Zealand put 50 points on you at home okay but Wales did yeah well, but I mean they were depleted <laughs> yeah, the depleted yeah, Wales team to be fair but still it, it's a fair point and Argentina maybe does he start Joey Carby or Harry Byrne in that I think Joey Carby is maybe lucky to be in the squad realistically Johnny Sexton isn't going to make it through the three games that, like it's yeah, just he's, he just can't he, he, can't, he can barely make it through one game at this, like, it was the fact he wasn't brought on the Lions tour is because he's, he's just not durable enough at, at this stage he's the man must have had about 400 concussions at this stage I don't know how his brain hasn't turned to mush but um, he uh, yeah he won't like the fact is he won't make it through the three games without getting injured at some point so it will be an opportunity for one of the lads to come in and, and prove themselves Joey Carberry's missed a lot of rugby and like I don't know how, how have, you, have you seen much of his performances at Munster this season yeah I mixed? think I've, been, I've watched nearly every game on, uh, of Munster because it's been on TV so I've been able to yeah. watch it and I've just been like the talent is definitely there the raw ability is there but he just it's been in fits and starts really yeah well he just needs a clear run of games and that, I guess it's so, good, good but to see him back. you know oh, like Jack Carty can feel very hard done by you yeah. know with Connacht he's been fantastic he seems to be the big discussion point amongst the media and, and pe- just the fans in general why he's not included you know there's a, oh, you know I just yeah I'm, I'm, I'm very not torn. sold you're not sold I'm not sold I the jury's been, still out I haven't been sold I wasn't sold on him though even in, in day one I know this is going back a little bit but you know remember Andy Farrell was appointed by Joe Smith when he was mm. the guy in not just in Irish rugby but world rugby he was coming off a, a grand slam he it, it just to me it kind of struck me of well look here's a guy I've worked with he's my friend for the last few years I think I'm just going to recommend him for, for the job maybe that's being too harsh but it's the way I see it to be honest and we've been uh, such a difficult group for the World Cup as well we've got um, South Africa and Scotland in our pool if we even get through that it's France or New Zealand the quarterfinals so look I mean forget about it yeah I don't know I just, 2027 maybe uh, gl- call me glass half empty but I'm just not sure where, where to go but hopefully I'll be proven wrong that they will get some game time I can't see that mean though at the weekend they have to play a full team because it's a dry run for the game against New Zealand okay. so, so they can't go in cold again and that's the big game you know if they if New Zealand put 50-60 points past us which they could they could they what happens then yeah, we've seen know? that yeah Bowden Barrett celebrating his 100 calf as well with 29 points beating Wales single handedly so. played a bit of rugby in Mullingar back in his day as well interesting fact would you believe that yeah under was it 16 I think maybe came over here for a summer and he played played. I think he maybe relatives here in Ireland so oh. came over for a summer played a bit of rugby here and uh, yeah learn so, something new every day I know and we've very informative rugby dis- we didn't get a chance to really discuss a massive amount of rugby but as I said Japan first game of the weekend hopefully they get a win 
it's a good kind of starting point then they, they can take you know momentum in from the the last England game in the Six Nations which to be fair was very good but yeah. is there a roundup of any of the other big games out the weekend you want to have a look at um, there's a few big games there in fairness France Argentina maybe is the one that catches the eye interesting to see how Argentina get on there what sort of side they, they bring over and yeah France have been a very exciting team the last few years Six Nations they were fantastic just kind of coming up cl- or was it the last game they, they came a cropper oh I get confused it's been so long France and Scotland maybe was that the yeah, one yeah, yeah, yeah. Six Nations yeah, fantastic game as that's well the one, yeah. that's the one I'm thinking of but um, yeah um, it'd be interesting to see what what would you think would be a successful autumn internationals round like how would you define is it losing by losing by less than 10 points to New Zealand is that deemed a success I'm more worried about the players coming through do okay. they get a chance is there um, is the platform that they created especially in the last game against England from a a tactical point of view from an attacking front has that been built on during these three games I'm not too worried about the results per se I think the results will come if the performances are there and the identity is there and the players are are, are there ultimately you know I think New Zealand I can't see us beating New Zealand but I think Japan Argentina are definitely within our, our grasp for sure even on a an off day, but I'm just more worried about who plays you know I want to see the younger players Craig Casey I want to see him start I want to see um, you know some of the other players being being introduced there the likes of Gavin Coombs um, uh, Kieran Frawley from Leinster as well Harry Byrne you know these guys that's what I want to see personally uh, rather than I want to see like this is more of a developmental um, campaign rather than results okay interesting interesting very yeah a one head to head record anyway against Japan and that one loss as as we've mentioned was the world it's come Cup. to find so, the so. Irish rugby the last couple of years as well yeah. Jack Carty apparently the main reason why he's not in the squad is because of that performance he put in he started mm. that game yeah so you know there you go time that's, to right the wrong so that's it hopefully looking forward to it anyway one o'clock on, on Saturday but another big event taking place at the weekend uh, is Bellator 270 it's going to be on in Dublin and a huge night ahead two title fights that we are going to uh, be discussing with Michael he, he joined me via Zoom uh, on Friday uh, last Friday evening and uh, Michael he's a, a for me one of the brightest minds in, in Irish uh, MMA so uh, really looking forward to this discussion I hope you enjoy it this evening uh, by Michael Quinn. He's been on the show before to look ahead to a huge night of Irish MMA this Friday at Bellator 270 at the Tree Arena in Dublin. Two main fights we'll be looking at are the co-main event, which is James, the Strabanable Gallagher. He'll be taking on Patchy Mix in what is basically a number one contender fight at Bantamweight. And then it'll be headlined by Peter Queeley. He'll be taking on Patrizki Pitbull Freyer. Uh, in a rematch uh, for for May this year for the lightweight title. It was just recently announced, actually this week, I think, that it was going to be for the World Championship. So a huge night of MMA ahead. Uh, Michael, thanks very much for joining me. Before we look ahead to the fights themselves, in your view, is this perhaps the most important night for Irish MMA since Conor McGregor headlined that UFC card in Dublin in 2014? Absolutely. Sure, the two lads... Uh, right up there for the belt. Peter Queeley, this was meant to be a number one contenders fight, really. But, uh, I mean, now it's a title fight. Absolutely deserves it on a huge run. The man he's fighting, he already beat Pitbull. Uh, he, it was a controversial doctor stoppage, in fairness. But, um, look, he was edging the fight. It, it reminded me of the Nate Diaz-Jorge Masvidal fight. I was a little bit closer. It's a doctor stoppage. Fight wasn't over, but it didn't look good for 
for Pitbull at all. And having said that, Pitbull has been on a tear. The last person to beat Pitbull in Bellator was Michael Chandler. So that'll give you a, that'll give you an idea of the kind yeah, of level that, he's I mean, at. That's, that's the company that these guys, these guys are at, I guess, at the moment. That that level, it's a testament, isn't it, to both of them? And I mean, if you look at Peter Quayle, he's 32, but he's kind of that mo- a role, I think, a great role model for not just Irish MMA, but I guess anywhere in the world, like a guy who's kind of rebuilt his career and is entering his prime now, even into his 30s. Yeah, he he is. Actually, I'm glad you said that. He is a role model. He'll never give up. And I mean, I, I've watched Bellator Live with you in Dublin when he comes out. It doesn't matter the odds. It doesn't matter how hard he gets hit. You can't count him out. He'll keep coming forward. He'll keep the pressure on. Regardless of skills, he'll he'll make it a dogfight. Yeah, and Peter Creeley, I mean, he is a real fan favourite. As you said, we were up there, I think, was it two years ago at this stage? And the place just went absolutely electric. You know, we came out to Zombie and it was just a fantastic atmosphere atmosphere so and I mean Pitbull he's a real crowd pleaser then as well so it makes for a very interesting stylistic matchup as well doesn't it yeah yeah I, I'm I'm not trying to make a dad joke here or anything but uh, him coming out the zombie was very fitting because he got hit so hard he did the chicken dance he was getting beat up pretty badly but you just couldn't put him away he he, he refuses to get put away in Dublin he's never been beaten in Dublin he pretty much refuses to be put away no matter where he's fighting. He's absolutely outstanding. And uh, yeah, as I say, Pitbull is amazing as well himself. It's a huge fight streak, like I said earlier. The only reason he probably hasn't fought for the belt is because his brother was the champion up until now. He's the two-weight champion. And uh, he's fighting. He's going back down to Featherweight now. He's vacated his belt at uh, Lightweight. He's going back down to Featherweight to uh, try and win back the belt he just lost. So... Um, yeah, his brother can fight a lightweight for the belt now. Probably long overdue. And even if the even if Queeley did beat him, and it does kind of feel like he's defending his belt, there is no way you can say that Pitbull doesn't deserve this shot. It's going to be a huge fight. It's going to be really, really exciting. I can't wait. What do you ex- expect to happen? I guess, or you know, what does Queeley have to do to win in terms of a stylistic um, matchup tactically? How do you see this fight playing out? Well, Pitbull wins most of his fights by knockout. He's 15 knockouts, one submission, and seven decisions. But one submission, don't let that fool you. He is a black belt in jiu-jitsu, so he is going to be dangerous on his back. He's pretty. He, he's he's just as much of a warrior as Queely is. This isn't going to be about who is the better fighter, skill for skill. It's going to be about who... I know it's cliche. It's going to be about who wants it more, who who fights harder on the night. It's got it's, it, the crowd's going to have a huge part to play in this, and I'd expect even I don't expect this to happen. But even if Queeley does come out on the losing side, there will be a third fight, and it's going to all. This is going to be very competitive. If you're to ask me what Queeley has to do, I would say keep it standing. But like I said, fifteen knockouts for Pitbull. <laughs> it, it's going to be a stand-up war, if you ask me. It's probably a bit of a lottery, isn't it, as well, then, in, in one sense, you know, because it's probably who can hit the other guy first in a way, but also who can hit them, get them down and whatnot. I guess whoever can land cleanly or, you know, who can ask that question first, maybe, would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Whoever, uh, I think that 
that is a that's a good point. Whoever backs up the other one first is going to have a huge advantage. But uh, it is a five round fight. Uh, whoever whoever backs up the other one first might be a lot more tired coming the end. So we'll we'll see. But uh, yeah, it, it's going to be very exciting. It's going to be back and forth. Anyone who thinks that Queenie's just going to walk in and breeze through this, or Pitbull's going to walk in and breeze through this, they've got another thing coming. It's going to be very very back and forth. It's going to be a war. Probably going to be bloody, but uh, we'll look forward to it anyway. Definitely. Uh, then I have to ask you then on, on that. Do you have a prediction? How do you see it going? Who's going to win? Is it going to go the distance? Um, or is it going to be uh, a knockout? Or what? How do you see this fight playing out? I guess is Queely going to get the job done or does Pitbull have too much in the locker? Uh, I would say skill for skill. Pitbull's probably a better fighter. So if I was going with my head, I'd probably say Pitbull. But after the last fight, which I did think that uh, Queely looked better in, and just watching him live so many times, I just, I can't see past Queely at home in Dublin. So we'll see. But <laughs> that's my prediction. Yeah, it's going to be some night for sure. And I mean, the atmosphere is going to be unbelievable. It's going to be live on Virgin Media Television as well. So no excuse for people uh, to tune in. If they're looking for something a little different on a Friday as well, which I think is probably a smart move also because it, it will be clashing with the rugby at the Aviva and among other sporting events as well. And at a normal time as well. Yeah, at a normal time. We, we never get MMA at a regular time. It's crazy. <laughs> Can't wait. It's a good point. I mean, doors are open, I think, at half five, and you can expect the main card to, to get underway at, at nine, and that, that some of the other uh, key fights we'll be looking at in, in a second. But the co-main event then, James Gallagher, maybe the most familiar name to those who will be kind of casual Irish MMA fans and just MMA fans in general. Outside of Conor McGregor, is he the biggest star or the biggest talent in Irish MMA at the minute? He's one of them. Definitely one of them. Uh He's probably more popular in America than Peter Queeley is. I think in Ireland, more people probably know Queeley. But uh, yeah, he, he, people look at his kind of persona and the way he tries to replicate Conor McGregor. There's so much more to him than that. He's a brilliant grappler. Like Again, like I say, we watched it live. He, he is like a snake. He will wrap himself around you and he will constrict you. And... Uh, that's going to be interesting for this fight. Maybe it's not going to be a stand and bang kind of fight. Uh, so some people, maybe that's not for some people. It's going to be what, very much grappling oriented. For the purists, they're going to love this. The man he's fighting, Patrick Pax, Patchy Mix, is uh, he's main. He's a wrestler. He was a wrestler growing up in America, and he's uh, he, he's mainly a grappler. He's fourteen and one with ten submissions and three decisions. That's dominance. And this is a huge step up in competition for Gallagher. He's fought a lot of guys. He's beat them all handily. But the one time that he fought someone, Ricky Bandeas, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Bandeas, some guy who was a bit of a step up in competition, he he did struggle. It was a quick knockout. You can't, can't really tell much from that fight. But uh, this is a real test. This is This should be his biggest test yet. Well, and it's is, a rightful number one contender's fight, in my opinion. That's what I was going to say. I mean, this is pretty much a de facto uh, number one contenders fight for, for the belt. Like, it's such a huge moment. I mean, Galler, as you said, he hasn't fought probably too many guys of no, but he has looked impressive in 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 um, his fights up until now, barring that one knockout. Um, what does he have to do then? I mean, it is one for the purists, as we've said. 
grappling wise, like, do you think who has the edge in this one? Do you think on, on the ground does Galler need to maybe go away from what he's used to doing? He's been in America working, you know, a lot on his striking and stuff as well, and moving away from SBG just for a little bit. Or what does he have to do? Can he just go to the ground and back himself there? Well, he needs to get the basics of striking down. The, the minute he fought a decent striker, he was knocked out in seconds. He needs to get those basics down. And I, I assume that's what he's done. Uh, who would have the advantage on the ground? I honestly don't know. Uh, like I said, Gallagher is like a, a snake. He will constrict you. But he hasn't fought competition high enough yet for me to be able to say for sure, oh, he can easily beat an elite grappler. And... Uh, yeah, uh, I I don't know who I'd give the edge to. Uh, more often than not, I'd probably say I I'd pick a wrestler over a jujitsu practitioner. But uh, I'd never bet against Gallagher. He's very 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 dangerous. And especially at home, I mean, you know, he'll have that. You see, he'll have that home advantage, and maybe if he does go to a judge's scorecards, maybe as well, that could. <laughs> Perhaps, uh, yeah, that could. They play playing the hands. Yeah, we have seen it for sure, no doubt about it. I mean, so on that, I guess, would you give him maybe the edge going into it into the fight again? Okay, he hasn't maybe fought, uh, or he hasn't maybe the body of work maybe to to back up maybe his talent. But if you had to call it, uh, yeah, neither has Patchy. So yeah, if I had to call it, I'd probably it would probably be almost a blind guess. But yeah, I'd go with. Gallagher definitely. Is he uh, going to advantage? I don't think so. I think this gets finished. Uh, I mean, Patchy, Patchy has a like I said, he's fourteen and one with only three decisions. Gallagher, pretty much all of his fights are stoppages by submission. So, and the only one that he didn't finish ended in a knockout. So, Bryce, yeah, against him. Yeah, should be should be good anyway. We're looking forward to it for sure. Again, that's probably uh compared to maybe the one where what with all the highlight reels will be Queely and Freyer or Pitbull and we've got this one is probably more for the the purest, but hopefully uh we learn uh, a thing or two anyway, uh about the, the wrestling and so on. Might be great for an interview after the fight. <laughs> for sure, yeah. A few one liners. I mean he's always known for it, I guess he's he's definitely gotten that off a certain SBG teammate. As we've said in the past, but don't uh, turn off your TV when it's over. Keep it no, on. <laughs> keep it on. Yeah, well said. Uh, I mean, I remember when we were there. We we certainly didn't leave straight away. We we hung around for the interviews after. We weren't disappointed. I think he was yeah. given out even one of his last fights in Milan. I remember his mother was trying to get into the cage and they wouldn't let <laughs> wouldn't let her, and he wasn't particularly uh, enamoured by that. But uh, hopefully, we'll get a few nice uh, one-liners as well at, at the weekend if he. Indeed, comes out on top. But um, it's I mean it's a, a fight card filled with Irish fighters. Um, a real treat for fans uh, to see some of the more established pros and the up and coming talents as well. Is there any other fights that catch your eye outside the big two? Well, there's a bit of confusion about this one. So, uh, Charlie Ward was scheduled to fight a uh, No Norbert. Noveni, uh, I honestly, I don't, I don't know much about him. He's five and zero, oh and he's a submission specialist. Uh, I, I mean, it's still up on the Bellator official website that it's on. Uh, I'd assume that that's the fight that's on, going by the official website. But uh, some of the information on the website about him, I mean, there's hardly any. 
And when I was looking up the card, I actually saw an article by The Sun two days ago saying that he's actually, actually scheduled to fight Leon Edwards, or not Leon Edwards, Leon Edwards' brother, Fabian Edwards, on short notice. That's going to be a huge fight. I mean, that, that, that could nearly be a main event. The, the time we would have went, that would have been a main event. Fabian Edwards is uh, he's on a two fight slide. He's he was nine and zero, and now he's nine and two. He's uh, very much an all round uh, mixed martial artist. He's twenty eight years old. He's got uh, a lot of decision wins, but a couple of submission wins. He's got a, he actually has a body kick knockout. And Charlie Ward, if I was to say who's the more skilled fighter, I would say probably Edwards. But Charlie Ward's got an equalizer. We all know about that. Again, we saw it in person. It's frightening. He's like a heavyweight the way he hits. And uh, yeah, he, I mean, he's a 40-year-old man, but he's on a six-fight win streak, or not six-fight win streak, but he's six and one as a last seven. So I wouldn't go against him. And uh, I think if he wins this, he's right up to, he's number four ranked at the moment. I think they've recently brought in rankings. If he wins this against Fabian Edwards, a big name, he's going to be the next Irish man going for a belt, I think. And another guy who's kind of rebuilt his career as well because he was in the UFC, he had a couple of fights, didn't really happen for him. But, you know, now with Bellator, he has built that momentum, as you said, 6-1 in his last seven fights. So a huge opportunity. And that kind of seems to be the team of the card, really, in a way, isn't it? With, with himself and Queeley and what and a couple of others as well. You know, they're really trying to build that momentum and make a name for themselves after maybe slow enough for kind of lulls in the middle of their career. Yeah, I, I mean, MMA is somewhat new to Ireland, you know, uh, as a popular sport. The gym's obviously growing, uh, straight blast gym, SBG. And I, I think they're growing with it, definitely. They're all, they're, every single Irish talent is improving. You look at uh, even in the women's division, Liam McCourt, she's 100% up there for a belt very soon. She's unbeaten in I don't know how many fights. She She's absolutely unbelievable. The, there's a huge crop of Irish talent, especially in Bellator. And uh, it's going to be a real showcase Friday. And that leads me on to my last question then. How important is this for Irish? I mean, we've said it is probably the biggest night of Irish MMA since McGregor headlined um, the UFC in, in the Tree Arena back in 2014. Like, to, I feel like MMA is kind of slid outside of the public mainstream in Ireland because I guess you know we've seen McGregor and his antics and his I guess lack of success in the last couple of years and maybe the lack of Irish fighters in the blue ribbon brand for MMA which is the UFC but this is such a big platform for them if a successful night if it is a successful night if we have a world champion at the end uh, by around half 11 Friday night could do you think it could propel the sport back into the mainstream into the public consciousness again in Ireland I hope so. Uh, I don't like this idea of people c looking at Conor McGregor and what he's done since and they don't support him and they kind of brand everyone, all the fighters as the same, you know, they're all in the same gym so they must all be friends. It's not the case. Like the, These guys, Peter Queeley, inspiration, like a real inspiration. Charity Ward, come back from controversies, come back from losses. These guys just keep fighting back. These guys are inspirations, and uh, they put on a really good show. So yeah, I, I hope people tune in. I think if people do tune in, MMA will have a slight rebirth, and I think very soon 
there's going to be a couple of Irish guys holding belts or at least fighting for belts. I think we're on the periphery again. We rely on Bellator, not the UFC this time, but I believe in it. That's a great point, I think, as well. I think, you know, because it is a true reflection, I think, of Irish MMA. Like, the people who are going to see fight on Friday night are what everything that's good about Irish MMA and what it really is about. It's not just about, you know, Conor McGregor knocking out guys and talking all sorts of, I suppose, pipe, really, the pre- and post-fight press conferences. So I think people are going to get a true... If you're new to the sports in Ireland, you're going to get a true reflection uh, of the fighters and the calibre of people and talent on display on, on Friday. And there's still tickets available as well for people who, if you want to go um, on, on Friday night. So it's something different, but it's definitely something to look forward to. So, uh, Michael, thanks very much for joining me this evening. We're really looking forward to it. I know we'll both be right in front of our TV screens uh, on Friday. So I, I can't wait for it. And I know you can't either. Thank you very much there, Michael, for that very, very insightful chat. I want to, Speaking of MMA as well, I want to give a, an honourable mention to 42-year-old Glover Tejera, who won the UFC light heavyweight title at the weekend after beating the, the defending champion, who is not uh, to spring him, himself, 39-year-old Jan Plakovic, uh, via second-round submission. So 42 years of age just shows you it's never too late to achieve something uh, in in the sport and uh, moving uh, very nicely on from that is um, David Moyes because I mean he's been written off after the time he became uh, Manchester United's um, coach and obviously getting sacked after what 10 months in charge and you know he went to Sociedad sacked Sunderland sacked and now he's gone to West Ham uh, after a brief kind of interim spell then he came back on a permanent basis and he's just reinvigorated he's like a new man a new team as well they play decent football fans are behind them they're third in the league now level on points in Man City I mean how it's some story isn't it yeah they're they're motoring as the fellow would say um, definitely the f- one of the form sides in the league as, as the table suggests and um, yeah it probably wouldn't have been the most um, inspiring of managerial appointments when he was appointed I don't know where West Ham fans probably were in chat because I don't think his, his little short spell went particularly well um, I think he, he was more appointed to keep them in the league I think yeah. they were struggling at with Manuel Pellegrini who came before him and um yeah, he was kind of brought in as this kind of six-month see-it-out, like, Big Sam sort of job. But um, he's he came in and he, he kept them up without doing too much more than keeping them up, I think. And they went back to him, um, whether they couldn't find anyone else or what, but they trusted him. I suppose his record at Everton was superb. Anything that kind of came in between that and now the last season, you would have had a question marks over. But um, no, he seemed to have proved them all wrong. And he, uh, yeah, West Ham, serious, serious squad. Um, I know a lot of a lot of um, clubs be envious of some of their players, like the likes of De- like to try and get them out. You'd be paying fortunes for some of their players. Like I know, um, like Mikel Antonio, he's kind of a surprisingly old. Um, I'd say it has to be said, but a lot of them are like young, like very like they've great great squad there, and be interesting to see where they finish. I think they finished fifth last year, maybe sixth. Yeah, fifth, I think. Yeah, just so top four. see if they can get get into that um, break that glass ceiling that's above them now and finish in the top four. 
yeah I mean it's a fresh addition I think it's a welcome one to the to the mix as well you know with, with things kind of getting a little bit stale with the same teams competing with the money obviously the last few years but they um, you know they're not short a few bob themselves now with the owners that they have and also um, you know a big stadium as well that I know yeah. they've gotten planning permission to increase as well so they're really doing things the right way there yeah well their owners traditionally have been criticised so like their fans wouldn't have that much time for them at all there's been protests I think they, they, yeah. they, they got a they came on the pitch notably a few years ago in the middle of a home game um, but that was kind of I think good results will always pave like at the end of the day they'll pave over most things and that's like well you could have serious flaws in the background like if the team's winning matches out in the football that's what most people care about realistically so um, yeah they're, they're winning the matches these days and I'm sure if they go through a, a, a dry spell again it'll be the owner's fault and Moy's fault and, but that's it swings around that's wrists sure I mean it's carnage now it's all on the other side of London because Spurs have sacked their manager Nuno uh, Esperinto Santo after just four months I, I said it to you earlier before we came in that I, I kind of called it I said a few weeks ago on the show I wasn't a big fan of his yeah. So well, I didn't think he was going to to do the business, and he, he hasn't in the end. But Antonio Conte is the favourite now to come in. Be very interesting to see what happens there. And um, you know, I mean, I'm sure that the transfer merry go round at United will continue. But yeah. anyway, Moyes' because Moyes' um, appointment kind of got me thinking of some of the great managerial comeback stories. Now I mainly took ones from soccer, but I have a couple of rugby ones, a couple of J ones thrown in there as well. So I just want to throw a few at yeah, you and see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um the first one I guess is um I mean you don't have to look any further than Stephen Kenny to be honest with you as Irish manager because I know if you know he's back and very, very interesting uh, starting the League of Ireland of course moved up the ranks from Longford to the likes of Derry City went across then to Scotland and this is kind of where he sees Nadir arguably um, you know he went over to Scotland to Dunfermline took him to a League Cup final then he got sacked after a year in charge after doing that I mean he kept them up or not I think they actually did get relegated to be fair but at the same time he you know, took him to the League Cup final Scotland is always you know, a tough place as well to cut your cloth I think as the manager came back to Derry again brought through the likes of James McLean then he went to Shamrock Rovers, biggest club maybe outside of Cork City in the country. <laughs> had to, had yeah, to say it. You had to get that one. Sat again within a year, ten months only. You know, this is at the time where they'd just gone into Europa League. Michael O'Neill had just left to go to manage Northern Ireland, and then he went to Dundalk, and he just he transformed the place, brought them back from the bit, the brink of um, relegation there as well brought through a number of players with a point to prove, a mix of experienced players and a few younger talents as well, and. You know, like the Daryl Horgan come to mind, who's playing in the Irish squad to this day, and now he's just the Irish manager. But I guess before we move on to a few others, I just want to get your perspective. Like managers, it, it takes a certain breed, I think, to be a manager to survive in that cultural world. Yeah, and to it's come getting back for more. And it's getting more and more difficult. Like we've seen the the kind of outcry after Steve Bruce was sacked recently of like the amount of grief that man copped was quite harsh. Like he was getting no real funding from the owner yet he kind of consolidated Newcastle's position like Newcastle have been up and down the last year is getting relegated and coming back up I think it was 13th and 14th the last two seasons like comfortable I know this year has been poor they haven't won a game but I mean he's not getting investment in the squad like you can't really blame that man like I think he's he had done quite a good job but you, you just saw there like the the toll it was taking on him I think his family were very worried from that's just a, a, a good example recently of the, the, the nature of the 
the rat race that the managers are in these days and it's just battling to avoid the chop constantly like new no 10 games I know like the, that that's all you get nowadays some 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 managers don't even get that long like um, the Watford manager gone like Watford are a different breed again well Ranieri I mean he's in there now he's another sacked two weeks time like yeah. fantastic but he's a fantastic comeback story as well yeah. I mean, he was sacked as he's, Greece yeah. manager before going to Leicester and I know it hasn't really happened from since but still I mean, he had some, some good some good years at Sampdoria there I think yeah and yeah. Chelsea even as well kind yeah. of before oh, yeah, Mourinho yeah. Chelsea with Abramovich he was very very good manager I know a lot of people look back fa- fondly on that he's a great character in general so everyone just loves seeing him come back um, but yeah he's, he's the prime example of the comeback kid like first was he top favourite to be sacked when he was appointed Leicester manager and then he wins the league with them then sacked <laughs> as expected the second year second year syndrome they call it don't they and uh, yeah didn't make it really past Christmas I don't think the second year but um, that's probably long for, that's probably one of his longest and see the poor man is always sacked wherever he goes but um, there's a movie to be made out of him another one that where a movie has been made out of is Brian Clough um, he, there's a film I don't know if you've seen it The Damned United I've heard about it, it must very be, very good film get, White. I've, read, I've read read a book or two about it I think it's he's got a great book I think it's called uh, Provided You Don't Kiss Me great book yeah so, uh, he's yeah. Um, a fantastic fantastic film as well um, Martin Sheen plays uh, Brian Clough does oh, a fantastic yes. job the mannerisms and the accent and everything is, is brilliant um, he only lasted 44 days as manager of Leeds <laughs> and from there then he went to Nottingham Forest a club with no real success before he uh, took over he got in then to two European Cups in 1979 and 1980 and two League Cups as well or four League Cups in that time as well um, now unfortunately his tenure ended in 1993 after uh, 16 years in charge again um, relegation for Nottingham Forest and they actually have never been in the in the Premier League since so they're still kind of struggling and working their way back um, from there and also as well you know we've had the likes I mean Brendan Rodgers had his time in tribula- t- uh, trials and tribulations as well at, uh, I don't know if he counts really as a comeback story but he had these kind of trials and tribulations at Liverpool went to Celtic got a bit of confidence back and now he's at Leicester always linked with one of the big jobs yeah, yeah he's the he's kind of the man that's always his, his name is always thrown in the ring whenever there's a big job up for grabs like I know there was people talking about him for maybe United um, would you be interested in, in, in Rodgers I don't think so no not for me personally um, I, I think he's know. done a great job at Leicester I just don't know if he can manage the big egos you know can he can he do that at that level I think Leicester is a perfect fit for him so I don't know I think sometimes it comes down to the club kind of needs to suit your personality your style there's so many factors at play with being a successful manager and another one as well actually is even like is, is Graham Potter he was in Sweden before he got the job at Brighton um, he took uh, Ostersen's the last 16 of the Europa League against Arsenal uh, just a couple of years ago beat them in one of the games but didn't get through in the end but yeah I mean it is something it's it's uh, it, it well he, he I think he's not necessarily a comeback he's a manager most certainly on the up I think he could like brighten one of the form teams in the league and um, getting a draw away at Liverpool at the weekend from 2-0 down speaks to that but um, it just shows you the sto- love, could, I guess the path you can take yeah. to the, to oh, the yeah. top yeah 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 there's many many ways to skin a cat as a fellow said and um, Ostersunds now that club that you mentioned they actually I saw at the weekend they've actually been relegated from the top division yeah. in, in Sweden now so I think, I think two years after playing Arsenal in the last 32 of the Europa League they're not even in the top division in in Sweden so you just see how quickly it can turn and um, 
momentum is everything I think managers use it they have to hit the ground running especially at the big clubs that demand well mo- most clubs now demand like instant success so you have to come in and you have to have a, almost a foolproof plan of how you want to play what system what players and uh, Granted, most clubs give you a truckload of money when you come in. Like United seem to, they have remnants of Louis van Hal's war chest still around the place and Mourinho's signings. And yeah, they have players on top of players. You'd forget the amount of names they have. But um, you, you have to support them. And But then the pressure comes on straight away. As I said, you, you don't get a moment's rest if you lose your first two or three games. Like the pressure is phenomenal. If, if you don't have a good relationship with the fans, the fans can get you sacked. If you don't have a good relationship with the players, the players can get you. Like there's. It's it, it's a very unen- unenviable position to be in, I must say. I guess, look, I mean, they get a, a seven-figure severance package, I guess, is the only thing. That's the only thing, I suppose, yeah. If if, if, if they do want to get rid of them, they just pay them handsomely, so... But uh, a couple of others in to throw at you, moving into different sports. So rugby, the, we were on about rugby earlier. In my opinion, not saying it's worth any weight, but the man who I wish was the Irish uh, coach is Mark McCall. He's the head coach at Saracens. And he's quite an interesting story as well. So he played for Ireland, won 11 caps, and then he went to he managed Ulster. And he won the Celtic Cup. Again, another iteration of the <laughs> the, the RC slash Pro 12 slash Magnus League <laughs> uh, in 2006. And that's the last time the club have won any silverware. He fell out though with the board. Um, and I know they were struggling then in Europe as well the season after we fell out with the board the fans as well so he left uh, took over as assistant coach at Saracens after a brief spell in casts as a, a coach in 2010 got the the big job then in 2011 and since then it's been an unprecedented success story really for him he's won five Premier Leagues there um, and three European Cups I know they've had their financial troubles but that's not really to do I guess with him necessarily as a, a coach I mean there's one of the most feared sides in modern rugby and you know the, the kind of the ruthlessness that he has the tactical attention to detail I think you'd just be perfect for a job with Ireland I know he signed a recent um, three year contract extension though that'll keep him um, at the club until at least 2024 so he's probably not going to be uh, around over the next couple of years but I mean again it just shows you someone who's been written off comes back transforms himself sometimes you probably need nearly that failure to come back you learn more as we've been saying about um, from your your failures than your successes I guess yeah yeah and the Saracens one is interesting to see how, how they're bouncing back from their financial issues as you said not really him but um, not really his to blame and that, that kind of links in with the point that managers probably traditionally would have been in charge of the finances but now more and more and increasingly aren't in charge of not even like the transfers the wages anything like they don't have anything to, to do with that it's more a director of football or such a technical director or the, like the board chief executive they look after these sort of things so yeah managers are becoming more and more I suppose like coaches these days than anything so they're they're not exactly they don't have as much responsibilities in those departments but um, it's, just, it's just how the role is evolving I guess over the years mm. and then the last few I had to throw in a few GA ones just okay. had to I mean we've been defined nearly by guys coming back for second third stints as inter-county managers now these guys didn't necessarily come back from failure it's just that they came back for I guess for another goal a couple of notable ones Cork we've had a few of them in the past Kieran Kingston's right there right now second term we've had the likes of the legendary Billy Morgan coming back a couple of times as Cork manager in football um, you know JBM obviously Jimmy Barry Murphy back a couple of times Jack O'Connor he's third stint now coming up with Kerry Voss he's won all Ireland in his, both of his previous 10 years Liam Sheedy um, won all Ireland uh, resigned and he came back uh, what 2018 at this stage 
and he um, then he went on to or 2019 rather and he won the All Ireland first year back so it just shows you sometimes you know they go away for a few years maybe they find they miss it or they feel they've something unfinished business and then they come back again and James Horn is another example I guess yeah. who's there at the moment trying to do the same thing but the, yeah the GA is, is probably it's, it's its own niche in the sense that the um, the managers invariably most of them would have full time jobs so that's why they might some of them get sacked as you'd want to call it or whatever for want of a better word but a lot of them do just take time out because like they, it's a ferocious commitment and becoming more and more of a commitment for something that's an amateur game it's 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 a full time job in itself to be the manager and um you do you need a break from the intensity of it because I'd say it's you eat sleep and breathe it you know um, traveling the length and breadth of the country going to games every night of the week if not games you're doing your own trainings you're planning different things so it, it's as close to professional sport as you can get and you're not being paid for it so I know a lot of the intercounty managers probably are moving towards getting some sort of payment but um, yeah it, it, it's it's as always the GA is the, the outlier when you look at all sports like that but that's just the nature of the beast with it but um, yeah uh, certainly certainly a tricky tricky one as well yeah so I mean there that's just a taster of some of the, the great comeback stories I'm sure there's plenty more out there as well um, in, in other sports that we might come back to over the, the next uh, few weeks and months ahead but we've got time just for one last story and I wouldn't call it a, a hidden gem unfortunately it's not really appropriate to call it that for today <laughs> but there's a, a crazy story uh, in Argentina that you want to tell us about yeah well just picking up on managers uh, being in the firing line this manager this poor fella uh, literally was in the firing line yeah for so in a game between apologies for my pronunciation to any Argentinians who could be listening to it but um, I'll make my best attempt it was Hurricane Las Heras in the third division of Argentina were playing against Ferro de General Pico the third division of it, of Argentinian football and um, very passionate fans but things boiled over unfortunately and there was some ugly scenes the players had to flee the pitch as the fans clashed and there was um, some some guns pulled and poor old manager for um Ferrero coach Maurizio Romero was wounded in in the shot. I don't think intentionally shot, but um, ricochet or something like that. He was wounded. He's okay, which okay, is the main, which yeah. is which is the main thing. He's doing well and out of danger. Their club statement read, but yeah, it got me thinking. First of all, it tied in nicely with your piece there on managers getting in the the firing line, and um, also it's a scene we've seen a lot. I know probably not as bad as that, but we've seen a lot of the um, the crowd trouble recently. So let's hope it like the I know another story in the headline is the Hungarian fans at uh, Wembley last month and they've been banned from their, their upcoming games but it's just it's it's ugly like we've even seen on a higher profile like the scenes in Euro 2020 in the summer so yeah what, what, what are your takes on, on the, the kind of growing it's a growing it's always been there it's, it's a thing that maybe football has not yeah, wanted to address this sport more than any other you it's don't just promotes really hooliganism for some just, reason I don't know. I mean, it's where to start even in that. Like it just, it is. Yeah, insane. we could do a full error. I think. Yeah, I'm sure we will come yeah. back to it as well. But it is, it is insane, and just hopefully something needs to be done, doesn't it? Really.